0: Welcome back to Basic Bible 101. Please forgive me for taking so long to get back to the um, podcasting of the Basic Bible class. Uh, I don't know what's happened. The holidays hit and there you go. So please forgive me. I know that um, several of you have um, been anxiously awaiting this uh, to finish up your study of the Old Testament. And so we're going to get right back to this and um, hopefully finish up the last few lessons that will pretty much um, help us cover the rest of the Old Testament. At this point, we had been through the, the time of the kings and had covered some of the prophets during the time of some of those kings. Today we're going to look at, well, okay, then after that we covered the, the a few um, chapters that are kind of stuck in there, which is Job and Jonah. Both of those uh, we covered in the last few podcasts this one we are going to get back to the prophets and cover a couple of the well one of the major prophets Isaiah then in the next podcast we'll cover Jeremiah and then after that we'll finish up with some of the and cover some of the minor prophets and then um, talk about what happened after the uh, Israel is actually taken over. Now I realize that to this date Israel has been warned they've Uh, slid back and forth into sin many times and uh, God will raise up a a good king and then the people will um, fall away and then they end up with you know a bad king there's one king that I want to point out this is in 2nd Chronicles uh, 26 and it leads us into the study of Isaiah Uh, the king at that time was King Uzziah Now. It starts out saying that Uzziah was a good king, that he did a lot of good things and brought the people into right standing with the Lord. The problem is that just as we've seen with other leaders of Israel, they start out well, but really they just don't end very well and in this case, King Uzziah um, ha- does you know a, a marvelous job until the day that he just takes on a little bit uh, presumes a little bit too much power and decides to go into the temple and burn incense uh, before the Lord. Now you would be thinking, well, what's wrong with that? That sounds like a wonderful way to honor God, except that that particular activity was reserved for the priests. And so the priest follows him in and says, Uziah, Uzziah, you are not King Uzziah, you are not supposed to be in here. And Uzziah resists Well, instantly, the hand that he has the the little incense burner in um, starts developing leprosy. And so he has leprosy from then on for the rest of his life and uh, has to live alone. Uh, It's a high price that he pays for um, thinking that he could presume upon God and um, oversee you know, overstep his boundaries uh, just because God had blessed him so we have to be very careful I think when good things are happening to us and and God is using us in mighty ways that we don't uh, take on more um, I guess think that we have more right than we do because definitely God stops us in in our tracks or at least we would hope that he would because if left to our own way who knows what could possibly happen to us so God in his in his mercy for us uh, steps in and um, you know stops Uzziah from uh, committing this sin against him and but in the process he is left with leprosy Uh, during the time of King Uzziah if you will now turn to Isaiah the first part of Isaiah which is right after Song of Solomon remember we talked about the poetry books that were written during the time of David and um, Solomon his son Uh, at the very beginning of Isaiah chapter 1 it says the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah son of Amoz uh, saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah we are going to talk a little bit about each of those kings in turn Um, but at this point I just want to bring up the fact that Isaiah uh, was preached over a long period of time It says actually prophesied because many of the things that he spoke to the people about had to do with the future things that were going to happen long after Isaiah was gone and even a lot of the people listening at the time were were gone he in this book and Isaiah's writings are actually preachings I'm not sure who actually recorded it probably one of his um, assistants or scribes as they would have at that time um, and in, during this time he talks about the coming Messiah which is our foreshadowing of Christ and uh, I'll show you those verses here in just a minute but at this time we see that uh, God used Isaiah in uh, King Uzziah's life somewhat as towards the end when Uzziah was uh, falling into uh, sin and then in, during the time of his son uh, Jotham uh, if you will turn to, I hopefully you had a chance to read some of this, but p- particularly Isaiah 6. We're going to, That's going to be sort of the heart of our lesson today. And in this chapter we see that in the, uh, in the year the King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of the robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphims, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, With two, they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. This may sound familiar, like a song that you sing in church, and definitely a lot of songs come straight from Scripture. But we see here that there's this grand event happening in heaven, and (laughs) uh, Isaiah is privileged to be able to see it. So he has this vision, and in the process, it says, At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Uh, it Says then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from uh, with tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth and said, "See, this has touched your lips; your guilt is taken away, and your lips atoned for." Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, "Whom shall I send? Who shall will, will go for me for us?" And I said, "Here am I; send me." And the Lord says to him, go and tell the people, and he proceeds to tell him what to tell the people. All right, this event, this is uh, Isaiah's commissioning. This is his calling when God gives him an opportunity to see into heaven, and when he sees it, he is um, stricken with the fact that he's a sinful man, and that all of Israel is sinful, and he knows that. And so suddenly, here's God Almighty, you have a chance to see him, and all you can think is, I'm going to die, because I'm I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to even be here with God, and now I am, and he's going to kill me, because he knows all my sin. And God, in his mercy, has one of the seraphim bring that uh, hot coal and places it on I- Isaiah's lips. And it was a symbol of purifying Isaiah now we know that for us Jesus Christ paid the penalty he was our live hot coal he was the one that purified us to make us uh, acceptable in God's sight but in this is still the Old Testament and they are still looking forward to a Savior and so at this point God is telling him speak what I tell you to speak and Isaiah is more than willing. He says, I'll go, I'll go, I'll say whatever you want me to say. It has so changed his heart. And I think this experience prepares him for all the kind of things he will encounter, which are not pleasant. But whenever he doubts what he's doing, he will be able to recall how God changed him and touched his life. And that's one of the things I think that's critical for Christians is that they can point back and say, I had this experience where I know God took away my sin and purified me and so when when you have an opportunity to truly feel conviction to truly be able to pray before the Lord and to sense His Holy Spirit filling you those are the times you can look back and say you know whatever I have to do whatever God calls me to do I can do it because I'm walking in His strength and with His Spirit within me so um, right here we see what is it then that the Lord tells Isaiah and tells him to tell the people? He says, make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Well, if you were trying to get a message across to people, I don't think the first thing you'd want to say is, make them close their ears and uh, you know, shut their eyes so that they can't see or hear. Uh, You know, it's just so self-defeating to try and communicate to someone who can't see or hear. It's hard enough for people who are born that way or who become that way, let alone for the God to say um, that this is what he wants to happen to the people. He does not want them to hear or see. And you would think, well, that's because he's going to say something bad or do something bad. Which is true he is going to do something bad but really what he's saying is otherwise they might see with their eyes hear with their ears understand with their hearts and turn and be healed what he's saying here is that this is going to happen these people are not going to listen to you you're going to preach you're going to uh, do everything in your power to convince them to turn from their evil ways but their eyes are already shut and their ears are already shut and they're not going to listen to you and so in this place Isaiah says, Then I said, For how long, O Lord? And you're thinking, Okay, well, this is just a temporary situation. Uh, And he answered, Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitants, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away, and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remain in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebineth, I don't know what that is, I guess some kind of tree, And oak leaves stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. So he's saying, basically, until ruin has come upon the people. And so, Isaiah, you know, if you were given this call, not only will you not have success, but you will get to witness the absolute destruction of your people. I don't know, I think I might have turned to God and said, I think you've got the wrong person here that this will break my heart to have to do this and it w- it did break um, Isaiah's heart and that's why the rest of his th- book is filled with imagery and with pleading with the people and with warning them of the terrible things that are coming that they absolutely do not listen to. So as we said this is taking place this experience that Isaiah has during the the reign of King Uzziah and then King Uzziah dies and his son takes over. His son is Jotham. Jotham is a good king. He um, follows in the footsteps of the Lord. And God uses him in powerful ways. Um, he walks steadfastly before God, it says. And there are many other events that are recorded back in Kings and Second Chronicles about Jotham. When he, his term is up, his son takes over. His son is Ahaz. And Ahaz is about 20 years old when he becomes the king. We do not hear very much about Isaiah during the time of Jotham. And of course, you know, the people are, are pretty much obeying at the time. I'm sure that was a little bit confusing for Isaiah because here he was given this message that was such a stern warning. And yet, you know, the people weren't doing too bad then. But unfortunately, when Ahaz comes into power... He wanders and he begins to worship Baal and the people are driven back into idolatry. Um, the first part of, well, Second Chronicles 28 talks about he burned sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Hinnan and sacrificed his sons in the fire following the detestable ways of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. So obviously he so believed the Um, idolatrous ways of the people that he was willing to sacrifice his own sons. Okay keep in mind that King Ahaz is um, one of the kings of Judah, the southern kingdom, and at this time because the nations were split uh, there was discord between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. There was really basically a little civil war going on. Well the Armenians who are next to Israel come in and start um, beating up on Ahaz, and then pretty soon Israel from the north starts beating up on him too, and he sees no way out. So he calls upon the king of Syria. Now Syria is quite a ways away from Israel. Their capital is actually Nineveh, and how does that sound familiar? When we talked about Jonah the last in the last session, we learned about Nineveh. Well, you would think, well, Nineveh repented back then, and they did, but then they also became lured away from the Lord. So once again we see that the people fr- uh, of Judah are caught in a trap really based on their own sinfulness. and because of this, Isaiah or Ahaz has to make a treaty with um, Assyria. Now that is a big mistake and Isaiah preaches against this and warns them, you know, that they don't have to depend on anybody else. They have to depend on God and yet the people are just pursuing their own ways and not listening to him. Uh, When we finally get to Done with King Ahaz, and we get on to King Hezekiah who follows him. And uh, Hezekiah has an inherited kind of a mess here. And so, chapter 30 of 2 Chronicles, it talks about uh, Hezekiah sent word to all Israel and Judah and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh, inviting them to come to the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover to the Lord. He tries to do what's right and he tries to reunite all of Israel. And in the process it really just doesn't go very well. The people just don't listen to him. But he does seek the Lord. And so Isaiah really has had a certain amount of success to this point because Hezekiah honors him greatly. In fact, he comes and goes from the courts of the the king. You know, he's a Kind of like Billy Graham was with a lot of our presidents. The doors were open and they would um, encourage his spiritual counsel. And that was the way it was with Isaiah. Turn for a minute to chapter 9 in Isaiah. And let's look at some of Isaiah's words. It says here, um, Isaiah's words are, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles, by the way of the sea, along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For in the day of Midian's defeat you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. Uh, the bar across their shoulders the rods of their oppressor every warriors boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire for unto us a child is born and to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace where have you heard these words before does this sound vaguely christmasy Exactly. Those words come straight from Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. And remember, he lived hundreds of years before Jesus was actually born. And yet it talks very clearly about uh, he he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea. So we see there's a prophecy regarding um, the coming Christ. Uh, All through Isaiah, there are little pictures that bring hope, but it's not a hope Immediate hope. It's a hope in a future Messiah. In fact, um, let's see... Now there can be two meanings in scripture. So once again, you need to remember that you cannot just take every little thing that Isaiah says literally and say, oh, well, that should have happened and this should have happened uh, because he's also prophesying for their time. Things there are going to, uh, they are going to go certain through certain oppression, etc. So I think, and also he can be prophesying for a time even after Christ comes and dies on the cross and uh, raises from the dead and the Israelites are you know basically early Christianity because he prophesies the destruction of the temple which happens about 70 AD. So we see that um, with prophecy you have to handle it very carefully and take it in context and then take it in with the whole of Scripture. Be very careful of anybody that just plucks out verses from scripture because if they're not in context they can say something totally different than what the author meant for it to say okay turn a minute to 2nd Kings 18 5 through 8 we're going to see what's happening with King Hezekiah and we talked about what a mess he inherited and things are not getting any easier for him as they're having more and more trouble with the surrounding nations and so let's see Um, Look in verses 5 through 8 of 18. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not cease following him. He kept the commandments of the Lord that the Lord had given Moses. And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. Okay, so Syria, the place, the uh, comp- country that they had developed an alliance with, I, uh, had begun to push more and more. And actually, what was happening is, in the northern kingdom, they eventually take over in the northern kingdom and just set up a puppet king. Well, I Hezekiah sees this and is concerned about it, and he breaks off relationships with the relationship with Assyria, and. Uh, was somewhat successful. Now, it doesn't last forever because eventually, when um, Assyria is taken over by Babylon, uh, Israel, the same thing happens with Judah. So um, they are part of that big sweep from the Babylonians. But at this point, he avoids being taken over by Assyria. Let's just see how close he came in this um, very dangerous time for Israel. Remember, Assyria was majorly Uh, powerful at this time and if you've done any study uh, or been to museums where they have a lot of information about the Assyrians you see how strong they were in warfare and no wonder they were able to take over the northern kingdom in chapter 19 verses 32 through 36 it says let me get to it therefore this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria: He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, he will re- he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend the city and save it, for the sake, for my sake and the sake of David my servant. That night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death a hundred and eighty-five thousand men in the Syrian camp. And when the people got up the next morning, they were all dead bodies. So Chekhaneshib, whatever his name is, <laughs> king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. And he returned to Nineveh and he stayed there. In chapter 20 is the story of Hezekiah's illness. He gets sick and is about to die and calls for Isaiah to pray for him. And Isaiah does and God, God hears and grants him a little bit of extra time. I think we covered this story back when we covered the kings. So I won't go back into that. But if we did not, that's a great chapter to read, and it's a very interesting story, and that is um, in Second Kings 20. Okay, so we see that Isaiah has had an impact, that he was good friends with King Hezekiah, even though the people began to turn away from God again. We see the same account of Hezekiah's illness in chapter 38 of Isaiah. Uh, here we're seeing it more from Isaiah's perspective, but we see after this that there is a continual um, deterioration among the people of Israel, and they are about to be completely taken over. Uh, turn to Isaiah 40 for a minute, and I want to show you one more passage that is a prophecy of c- things to come. It says in the very first part of chapter 40 of Isaiah comfort comfort my people says your God speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed that her sin has been paid for that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins a voice of one calling in the desert place the way for the Lord make straight the wilderness a highway for our God every valley shall be raised up and every mountain shall be made low the rugged ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the Lord, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This, a voice of one crying in the wilderness, that refers to John the Baptist when it says he will come before the Lord and pave the way for salvation. And if you remember, the people were being baptized because they were a, there was a need for repentance, and John the Baptist was able to baptize them and prepare their hearts so that they could see their, you know, their true state. And then when Jesus came and preached, they could accept His salvation. Now, sadly, I think a lot of people would uh, went down to be baptized. Some of the Pharisees that w- were just more for show, or maybe because they thought, well, this is liable to protect me in some way against God. But I think. Um, we, sh- we need to remember that it wasn't the baptism that saved these people. It was the preparing of their heart for the Christ. And then when the Christ came, it was Jesus, that uh, his death on the cross, that uh, re- cleansed their sins. Um, baptism, while I'm a very strong believer and I think it's very important, needs to be a outward profession of something that has already happened in your heart. Okay, <clears throat> my Baptist roots comes out here. If you will look right um, towards the middle of this chapter, um, 40 in um, verses 18 through 26, let's see. Uh, To whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? As for an idol, a craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver uh, chains for it. A man too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy, and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught, and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. Did you notice in there where he says he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth? Okay, what? when did people figure out that the world was round? You're right, not till Christopher Columbus time, and that was heresy at the moment. But here we see that Scripture knew long ago. Isaiah was able to talk about God being enthroned above the circle of the earth. Okay, so it kind of makes you wonder why the scientists during the Middle Ages had such terrible troubles, but nonetheless. Okay, so we see here that God is so much greater than what the people, you know, Isaiah is telling him. You take a piece of um, wood and craft that and you want to worship that, but God is above all. He's the one that stretches out the canopy of the sky. And so he's trying to raise their eyes from their... Um, simple kind of rudimentary beliefs that maybe if they pray to this uh, piece of wood that they will be saved okay couple of things to take away from Isaiah one remember his and I don't know I probably forgot to say this at the beginning but the name Isaiah means Jehovah saves and one of the sweet things about the book of Isaiah it is filled with promise of God's salvation and so, if you had a chance to read through it, you would see it in a million different ways. A lot of this is confusing. You don't—you're not sure what's, if he's talking about then or the future. And I understand that. I have the same problem with a lot of uh, the B- Book of David, or I'm sorry, Daniel. The last part of the Book of Daniel that's a lot prophetic, and you know, having not really just sat down and studied deeply prophecy. I couldn't make heads or tails of some of it but we see throughout the book of Isaiah even amidst the um, kind of strange things that he is comforting the people and he is telling them that if they turn away God will rescue them that if they uh, turn from their wicked ways and so Sadly, I think that the people just, um, you know, they listen to him some, but I think it's the same old thing. It's easy as long as it didn't really cost them anything. Well, in our next basic Bible lesson, we will learn about Jeremiah, and by this time, the people just really don't listen to Jeremiah at all. In fact, he actually is a prophet during the time that the people are completely taken over by Babylon. So some of the things to remember about Isaiah is that he was the one who was able to walk in and out of the palace fairly easily, kind of like Elisha. If you remember, Elisha had the same kind of a relationship uh, with the king, although in Isaiah's uh, time, his uh, message to the king is, um, you know, basically during the time of King Hezekiah's illness, he says, well, you're just going to die. Uh, that's all there is to it. And then God answers Hezekiah's prayer. And so Isaiah turns around and goes back to Hezekiah and says, God has heard your prayer. So Isaiah didn't always have to speak bad things sometimes he got to preach good things and certainly when he got to preach about the coming messiah that was a great hope and I'm glad that it was recorded and I'm glad that we have it today to be able to look back at and sh- and s- just show people that Jesus was the fulfillment of scripture okay well thank you for joining basic bible 101 I want you to encourage you to go to the website to if you want to get the little booklet that goes along with it of course I know a lot of people are basically listen to the podcast and not necessarily working through the workbook. Um, the workbook works well if you're in a group because you can discuss it. But most everything that you're going to get in the way of learning comes, I think, from reading scripture on your own. So I want to encourage you to spend some time actually reading through these books. And even if you're um, thinking that, well, you know, some of this doesn't make any sense, that's okay, just read through it because you never know how much of it will just sort of get lodged somewhere in your brain and then later on when we cover another passage in scripture you'll be able to think back and say oh yes I remember that. So I hope you're enjoying Basic Bible 101 and until next time be blessed.